Hello and welcome to the Southwest Londoner Tennis Podcast. I'm Tamara and I am here with... Marcus, I'm here. Dom. And I'm George, hello. And we're going to talk about the Australian Open, which came to a totally thrilling conclusion last weekend with amazing stories in both the women's and men's singles finals. For the women's, Ash Barty became the first Australian Open winner in 44 years, beating Daniel Collins. And Nadal beat Medvedev in a five and a half hour thriller to become the record Grand Slam holder in the Open era with 21 Grand Slams. Um, Guys, what did you think of the competition? Marcus, what was your competition highlight? Oh, I uh, I really enjoyed it. My my competition highlight was probably spending uh, about six hours just sat on the sofa on Sunday morning, in from eight thirty into the afternoon and not moving. But I wouldn't have had it any other way. It was uh, no, it was great tennis and uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable. It would have been nice to see a few more Brits progress, but uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll get that later on in the year in a few of the other Grand Slams. Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't a great tournament for British representatives, but I know that I'm still banging the drum for Emma Raducanu, so we can only look forward to future Grand Slams this year. Don, what was your um, competition highlight? Yeah, I think for me, it's got to be Medvedev's outburst against Sissipas. I was I was so here for the drama. I just loved everything he said. Obviously, you know, tennis, you just want them to get on with it and play the game and not have a go at the umpires but we'd all be lying if we said it wasn't quite entertaining when they occasionally lose it but totally i have to say now that southwest londoner does not endorse calling umpires small cats um but we will make an exception for i'm sure a future multi-grand slam winner like medvedev george what was your highlight I, I would kind of agree. I'd agree with Dom that I, I just really enjoyed the Medvedev versus Tsitsipas match. The whole kind of, just the clash of characters between the two of them. How Medvedev just seemed like throughout the game just permanently angry. Just angry with the fact that he was forced to play tennis. Whereas Tsitsipas, Tsitsipas just had this like relaxed vibe. Like he'd just come off the beach. And just seeing these two people who, who both have this like shared love of tennis. But play it in such a different way with such different personalities. I really enjoyed just watching that game. Totally. It felt like a real struggle between good and evil at times. I felt that Medvedev was such a sort of figure of, of doom and gloom and managed to totally wring the joy out of out of Tsitsipas. But it was an amazing match. And I'm sure we'll go on to see many finals and semifinals played between them um, for years to come, hopefully. But certainly the main story in men's tennis is Nadal getting that 25 Grand Slam. Um, in doing so, he goes ahead of fellow members of the big three, Novak Djokovic and Federer. All three were level on 20 Grand Slams until Sunday morning for us, uh, late Saturday night for the Australians. And I think the time has come for us to talk about who the greatest of all time really is because statistics, I guess, would now say that Nadal is is the out-and-out winner. Can Djokovic and, and particularly Federer catch up? Over the past 19 years, tennis has just been totally dominated by these three characters. Um, and so I am really interested to know who you guys think is the undefeated, uh, totally dominant 
uh, greatest of all time. I know that Dom, you're going to argue for Nadal. You maybe have the easiest job, so you should should start now. Yeah, thanks, Tamara. I mean, as you said, he's just got his 21st singles title at Grand Slams, so it's sort of a pretty strong argument for being the best, given that the others have fewer than him. Um, interesting to find out that it was actually the first time he'd ever been the leader in the chase for the record against uh, Federer and Djokovic on Monday morning, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, that Titanic battle on Sunday, over five hours, finished after one in the morning. It seemed at times that there was no way back for Nadal, but there's something about him, the way he plays, his intensity, his sort of refusal to ever give up. I just, I never really doubted him. And for me, that's kind of part of the way he plays the game, which makes him so good. I think there's never an easy game to watch for Nadal. You know, I mean, you could argue that any game he plays at the French Open is a pretty foregone conclusion. But I think when you sit there, you just go through a real roller coaster of emotions. And every time I watch him, at least, I just get so invested. And I feel like, you know, it's my son playing the game. I worry for him every time it happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I think any one of the three of us could sit here and list numerous records and, you know, use facts and numbers to highlight who the best is. I'm sure we're going to. I mean, I'm about to. I mean, <laughs> he's obviously, famously, incredibly dominant on clay. He's won 90, yes, he's won 90 ATP titles and 62 of them have come on clay courts, which is just staggering, really. I mean, I know the other two, Djokovic and Federer, have been pretty dominant on their own surface or a surface in particular. But I think Nadal just takes that to a whole new level. I think a lot of people use that as an argument why he can't be the best player of all time, but I just don't buy it. I think if you can win 13 of anything, you're probably in with a shout of being the best at that sport. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stats to back him up. I mean, he's the only one of the three to do the career grand slam, a uh, career golden slam, which is to win the Olympic gold as well. He's won a singles and a doubles title. Uh, he's also the youngest to have three titles in majors, not necessarily Grand Slams, but majors on all three of the surfaces. And he's just, it's just, he strikes me almost like, oh, this is going to sound really poetic, overly <laughs> so, but he's a bit like a lion, the way he just prowls around the court. He never looks like he stops believing in himself. He always thinks that he's got what it takes to win. And, well, numbers now show he usually does. He also is just brilliant at returning games. He just, I think he has the highest percentage of break points converted of any of the three, which shows that even when he's at what you would say is a disadvantage, he still comes out on top more often than not. He, he just, I mean, I, I was actually going off that quite interested to find out that it was the first time he's ever come back from two sets to win, which really surprised me because I think it's a real linchpin of his game, how, you know, he sort of refuses to give up, like I said. Um, well, he's never usually two sets down. <laughs> no, I mean, there, you could use that as the argument yeah. in itself. I mean, yeah, Nadal is just, numbers aside, I watch him and I've never wanted someone to win something more. He's just brilliant. I mean, I remember the game, the 2008 Wimbledon final against Federer, when, you know, this was Federer's prime. This is when Federer was untouchable and he just walked in. Well, it was a five or six hour game, five sets, monumental final. But 
even at quite a young age, you know, he's six, seven odd years younger than Federer, he was able to deal with the pressure, just go back into his routine, even when it was to tossing and turning between, you know, it went, I believe it went 1 0, 1 all, 2 1, 2 all into the decider, which went on for hours. Um, he just, I think he encompasses the passion and drive which any elite athlete needs to be the best in their sport. And let's not forget, the man's had a lot of injuries. I mean, even, you know, six months ago, he thought he was never going to play tennis again. And here he is, having just broken the record. I'm not saying that the other two haven't struggled with injury, but Nadal, between, I believe, 2004 and 2009, he had at least one substantial injury in each of those years, which massively set him back. And I know you can't argue hypotheticals in this situation, but he's one of those who I would just love to have seen him have an injury-free career because I really think that he would be touching 30 titles rather than just edging ahead at the age of 35. And for me, you know, it's sad to say, but he has missed out on quite a lot. But what he has been able to do in, in the time he's been given, that his body has permitted him, I think he's undoubtedly the best player. I think that's a really interesting point about injury and I didn't know that but I think that might also go some way into why it does look like he's fighting and giving his all and why the crowd does kind of get that feeling from him and you said at the beginning that when you watch him it's like you're watching your child and that was so the sense that was there in the final um, on on Saturday evening when the entire stadium was was rooting for him to get to this seemingly unattainable goal because he has been so held back from injury and i think you know if we're if we're talking about the greatest could that be a great the greatest narrative of coming from the kind of adversary that that multiple injuries give you to still go on and achieve so much he may he may have it there now you mentioned a lot about Federer, so I think we have to go to George for the counterpoint and talk about why you think he is actually the, the worthy title holder of GOAT. Well, everyone loves Federer for a start. Um, <laughs> and he has kind of been forgotten a little bit in this debate between Djokovic and, and Nadal. The fact that he's 40, it doesn't look like he's going to win another major. But then people have said that before about him. He went through that long spell in the early 2010s, where it was so much Djokovic and Nadal and Federer had kind of been forgotten, but he had that strength to kind of fight back from that and start winning titles again. And I'll, I'll just run you through some of those titles. 20 Grand Slams, you know, 2021, what's really the difference between that? <laughs> uh, he's won eight Wimbledons. You know, Wimbledon is everyone's favourite Grand Slam because it's, <laughs> it's played on grass and it's presented by Sue Barker, so... <laughs> <laughs> what could be better than that? that that's the most of, of any male tennis player, not just uh, out of these three. He also has the most ATPT, AT, ATP titles. So uh, although that, that, uh, that does include Grand Slams. Um, but I think that that just shows how week after week on the uh, kind of relentless tennis world tour, Federer has always been the most consistent at showing up at every event and doing his bit and, and winning winning tournaments. He's also won the Laureus Sportsman of the Year Award a record five times. And that's out of all athletes, not just tennis players. That's, that's a true fact. Uh, <laughs> but I, I also want to escape from the facts and talk about him as a as a player. And I think that 
greatest you, you can you can just look at titles but i think it also comes down to who do people really love watching and i think federer the way he's such an all-round player he can play from the baseline he can he can come come up to the net he's quick he's and he plays these beautiful shots he's so dainty on his feet it it really is a joy to watch him when he's at his best and uh i, I think that that can be forgotten and I feel like, especially with with Djokovic, who we're going to get to, there's there's something quite cold and ruthless about the way he plays. There's almost not so much of that joy, that that thing that made people fall in love with tennis. Whereas I think Federer has that, and people will always flock to see him play and will always remember his great games. And one of those great games, I think, is quite important in this debate is the 2019 Wimbledon final, which Federer did lose, but it's worth remembering he was 38 at the time so well past his his prime you'd say for a normal sportsman playing on grass the the fastest surface there is against Djokovic who really was in in red hot form and took him all the way and had match points to win it and couldn't quite convert on that occasion but I think that just shows how how great an athlete he was even even with the burden of his years he was still able to compete at the very top and who knows if he can do that again. Uh, but he has been plagued by knee injury. They have all had injuries. And he has had to have some time out of the game at points. Uh, but I think just that, that thing about the way he played the game is what people will remember. And that's the case for him being the greatest in that he just made tennis look so beautiful. I think that is a huge argument. So many people fell in love with Federer and that led to them falling in love with with tennis so the impact that he has had on the game interest in the game probably even the way the game is played for for younger players um kind of can't can't really be matched he's like you said he's won so many of the the greatest championship of all Wimbledon and he's he's very much seen as like a gentleman player and I think that is so appealing for the sport and and why he has been able to cast such a spell over the viewing public not just because he has won so many matches but the style that he's he's done it in and I do think that's something that both Nadal and Federer have in that they they've totally you know captivated their legions of fans with with individual styles now the third of the big three Novak Djokovic is a little different because you you don't always see the same sort of devoted followers that you that you had with Nadal and Federer totally in love with Djokovic's game. But he, I'm sure, Marcus, you'll be able to tell us why he very much deserves a seat at the table too. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm waving the flag for the the, the pantomime villain. And uh, I'm going to try and overlook his, uh, his recent controversy, uh, if you will. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually going to start off with... Um, what uh, both George and Dom said about uh, Rafa and uh, Roger both having injuries throughout their career. And while it, obviously that's nothing to do with how good they are as athletes, this is only the Australian Open this year was only the second Grand Slam that um, Djokovic has missed since he started in 2005. And obviously this one wasn't due to injury, um, which is quite incredible. But my um, my main sort of point for Djokovic is, as they both said, uh, Nadal and Federer play such beautiful tennis and everyone enjoys watching them, which I, I wholeheartedly agree with. And 
I wouldn't say that I don't enjoy uh, Novak Djokovic playing uh, playing tennis, but what I would say for him is why I think he's the greatest of all time is that he is just an absolute robot and an absolute just winner, I think, more than the other two. While he's not as uh, charismatic and he doesn't get the same sort of crowd uh, attention and people don't don't like him as much. I think I'm, I'm getting around the fact that that's exactly what I'm trying to say. But um, he is just an absolute winner. And in any match, I, apart from a French Open against Rafa Nadal, there are, I, I would never not back Novak Djokovic to win those individual matches. I, I just can't think of a situation where he wouldn't be the favourite because he is just an absolute winner. And yes, Rafa is dominant on clay, but Djokovic still has managed to get a few French Open wins over um, over Nadal. And also, it's the longevity uh, for Novak Djokovic. He's spent the most time as the world number one. Um, he spent 357 weeks at world number one. That is an incredible amount. Federer is at 310, and Nadal, surprisingly, is only at 209, although a lot of that will be due to his injury, obviously, and when he is playing, he is fantastic. Um, so yeah, that longevity of just whenever you look at the world rankings, the last uh, ten or twelve years, I'd say you would pretty much always have expected really to see Novak Djokovic as the number one, uh, in my opinion, and um, and it's also his peak. I think Djokovic's peak uh, was higher than either of the other twos. Uh, either Federer or Nadal, while they both had their incredible peaks, I just think Djokovic at his best was better than either. And I think especially even though last year he didn't get that uh, golden slam and obviously uh, Nadal has the, the golden slam under his belt. Um, I do think Djokovic in general has had the, the higher peak and he has, as I said at the beginning, he's just a winning machine and you will always, always back Djokovic. And, he doesn't look anywhere near done. Like it's it's strange that he's actually so Djokovic is 34, Nadal's 35, and Federer 39. And you'd expect um I, I don't know if this is just me, but you always sort of think of Nadal and Federer as the two of the same age bracket, and then Djokovic was that one bit younger, but he's he was actually more in Nadal's. And so he came through a bit later. Obviously, Nadal won his first Grand Slam when he was only 19. And when Djokovic was coming through, those two were right at their peak. And so he struggled to win those late noughties Grand Slams. Um, but since doing that, I'd say Nadal, without sounding harsh, this almost felt like his his last hurrah. Obviously, there's a French Open coming up, which, I mean, he should be very high on the favourites list for because it's the French Open. But it, it very much felt like, wow, Nadal is still winning Grand Slams. Whereas with Djokovic, only one year younger, it's like, He's still got years to go and he doesn't look anywhere near done. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's my, my my waxing lyrical for, for Novak Djokovic. I think that's a good point. I definitely agree with you saying that if he's playing, it's hard to back other people because he does seriously go over his opponent and seem to know at every turn how to how to kind of outfox them. Um, whereas... You know, it could be said that more stylistically, Nadal and Federer don't have that range. But after Nadal beat um, Medvedev, who I feel plays in, in kind of a similar way, maybe that's up for up for debate itself. 
But I, all three of you talked about the different surfaces that um, each of the big three kind of specialize in. And do you think that having a greater range of surfaces that they've mastered has an impact on if they should be considered the greatest? I always feel that clay gets a bit of a short shrift because I, I don't know why. I think maybe it's just because I'm sort of English and therefore Wimbledon has such a has such a high place in um, in my heart. And then obviously there are the two hard court slams. Um, but do you think that we should put a lot of pressure on Nadal, like um, Dom said, for, for gaining so many of his Grand Slams on this slightly more challenging surface? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to straight up defend Nadal. I mean, <laughs> he's 13 on clay, but he's also won six on hard courts, which is almost as many as uh, Federer's won at Wimbledon. So, you know, obviously there, you get these arguments that he's the least well-rounded because he's won the most on one, but he's actually won, you know, a fair few on a hard court as well. And that's two of the three. I think also, if you look at Djokovic, between Australian and US, the two hard court uh, slams, he's probably close to 13. I mean, he's got nine Australian Opens. So I think, I mean, maybe having two uh, courts on the, on, the, on the slams that are both hard, it probably um, sort of skews the use the average but i think realistically they all have that one which they're pretty dominant on and it's not like they can't play on the other courts i mean federer i believe has not has only won once on all four whereas nadal and djokovic have won on multiple occasions on all four courts so you know they've both proved that they're not sort of one-off all-rounders they can do it more than once um but yeah i think you know if you take into account that um you know, Nadal's also got six hard courts. Djokovic has probably got more than 13 hard court wins as well as just being dominant in one slam. I think it makes it seem a lot more even. And um, yeah, I think another thing that sort of dissuades the idea that Nadal is only incredible on clay and just very good on the others, well, he actually has against Federer and Djokovic in any Grand Slam. He has a better head-to-head -head win ratio. So if realistically, if they were to meet at a Grand Slam, it's odds on that Nadal's going to beat both of them. And that's not just on clay. Yeah, I, I, I would have to say Nadal's dominance on clay, while it does strangely seem to go against him, um, I, I do think it's a massive uh, advantage for him as well in the getting the, the dub of the greatest all time. Because obviously there's only one on grass and... It's interesting that each of us, uh, each of the people we're representing have their so-called specialists. I think Djokovic is a bit more of an all-rounder, but on hard, I'd, I'd certainly back Djokovic, Grass, Federer back in his day, and obviously Clay, Nadal. And that's where Nadal is so clear ahead, because if it is on clay, then I would always pretty much back Nadal. Whereas if it's on hard, I'd... I would tend to back Djokovic, but not by as much, if you know what I mean. Um, and I think that, yeah, that dominance on clay, as well as being, it's not like he wasn't um, only able to win uh, on clay. He, he won he won Wimbledon's, he won Australian Opens, as we've just seen at 35. He, he has so much to his locker, but the biggest specialist as well as an all-rounder. Yeah, I'd agree that um, Nadal definitely on on clay has that has that gap between 
his other competitors, like even even with Federer, he won his eight Wimbledon titles, a lot of them quite fairly early in his career, um, before Nadal and um, Djokovic had kind of ascended. He did win some after that. Uh, so, but yeah, that that gap he had with his other other competitors was never quite as large as it was on his kind of dom dominant surface. And yeah, what, one thing I would say in talking about all this, like it's it's such a obviously we're trying to work out who we think is the greatest of all time. We we have to say that the fact that there are three players all in the same sort of lifetime, all of the same roughish age, five years difference between them. And they've ended up on 20 and 21 Grand Slams each. It's just incredible. And that I don't, even though this is the whole point of it, you don't even need to put a label on who you think the best is. So just to have lived during this lifetime, and obviously we're going to talk about the future in a bit, but we'll never see anything like this again. So to have witnessed this share of, of uh, Grand Slams with Djokovic having 12, Federer having 11 on hard court, and then... Um, Nadal dominating the French Open scene, but also winning other. It's just, it's just been phenomenal to watch. Yeah, and I, I think a huge thing about all three players is that that longevity that they've had. Like, there's been great players in the past, like Bjorn Borg, who you know was was incredible, and John McEnroe. But the length of time they were playing at the top top level is it pales in comparison to what Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal have done over the years for just for how long they've been able to play and how many you know new competitors that have, have come up people like andy murray and stan Wawrinka who have challenged but even though they've perhaps been younger or fitter they've never been able to eclipse these other three players yeah well i mean we touched on it a moment ago with marcus but i think given that we've all sort of stood the point of one of these maybe I think it'd be quite interesting to see who we think is going to be, you know, who has a chance of being the next utterly dominant player in their era. So, I mean, I'm going to start, which I think is kind of easy. I'm going to go with Medvedev. He's already got his US Open. He was in the final of the Australian Open. You look at him and you think that is someone who is going to go on and continue that. I don't know about you, George, who do you think? Uh, I'd probably agree with Medvedev just by what, what we saw in the Australian Open and the fact that he was able to beat um, Djokovic in the US Open. I think Sitsipas could also be close, especially on clay. He's he's very competitive, and you'd back him to win quite a fair few French Opens once uh, once Nadal's retired. But I'd agree with you that Medvedev does seem like the the standout player going forward. Yeah, it's it, it's hard to look past Medvedev. But what I would say is that while I I, I think he is probably currently the best player in the world, um, I'd love to see a match between him and Djokovic at the moment. Um, but he is obviously also the oldest of this new um, uh, wave coming through. I guess Medvedev's 25, which is, I mean, it's so young still in tennis terms. You think he's got 10 years to be where Rafa is. I don't, obviously, he, I don't, he's not going to have the career that Rafa did. But if he can have half the career that any of those did, then it'll be incredible. His, he just looks like a nightmare to play against. And he his re, he's just so consistent. At returning um, and just getting it in, that he's almost like that uh, Djokovic in being the robot in returning, but he's so, so unorthodox in his style. Like, he doesn't really look like he should be this world cast tennis player. He's got the oversized um, t shirt and he's just running around. And obviously, his anger is 
is box office. Um, but um, yeah, sit to pass as well. I see. I really like sit to pass, and I really want him to do well. But for me, sit to pass, he doesn't seem like he's that winner um, compared to the other two. Uh, sorry, compared to Medvedev and someone who I'd put above sit to pass is Alexander Zverev. And while he's still looking to get that that big name win, um, I think Zverev is one to to definitely watch for the future. While I think it's going to be a really, really good battle between especially those three. Zverev obviously 24, Sitsipas 23, and Medvedev 25. So they're all similar ages. And Medvedev, you have to say, is dominating at the moment. Um, but then one other name I'll throw into the ring before you guys can have a discussion about it is Carlos Alcaraz, the um, young Spanish player. He's only... Uh, is he 18? Yeah, he's still 18, and he just looks terrified. He, without sounding, it, it's too easy to compare him to Rafa Nadal because he's he likes playing on clay. He's young Spanish. He likes playing in the the vest tops without any sleeves. It, but he looks so good, and he he looks like a that sounding too sort of cliched, <laughs> but he he looks like a born sort of winner. And I think it will be. It won't be too long before he has a really, really good run in a Grand Slam. He got to the third round of the Australian Open, which I think he would have been a bit disappointed with, even though he is only 18. He got to the quarterfinals of the US Open at the end of 2021. Um, and yeah, I think Alcaraz will be the one to challenge Medvedev more than maybe Zverev and Tsitsipas. What do you guys think about Zverev and sits pass and the others. Well, Zverev's um, he's won the has he won the World Tour finals once or twice? Twice. Um, I think what also we have to remember is that what we've seen with Djokovic and Federer and Nadal is totally unprecedented. That this kind of dominance of just three players. So there is also the chance that Medvedev sits a pass. They'll they'll pick up a fair few Grand Slams, but it could be a bit more competitive between slightly lower ranked players you might see some more surprise winners a bit like on the on the women's tour so there's no guarantee that there's going to be like these three main players like we've seen in the past 15 20 years uh, because that has been quite unprecedented yeah i mean just the final thing i'll add is that i mean we we touched on it that it, you know there, there there's places where people are dominant and i think especially if you take out nadal those are you know the french open is immediately blown quite open and someone who always performs well there is Dominic team I think you know he'll be within a shout of racking up multiple grand slams and you know I think you made a good point George um realistically we're not going to have three people who just dominate everything it is gonna it's a really interesting time for men's tennis because you know it's gonna be blown wide open you've got four five you know maybe even six people who are in with a shout with winning you know most of the grand slams so it's gonna be really interesting to see how that battle unfolds so right now, if you all had a gun to your head and you didn't have to choose the person that you've been defending, who would be your greatest of all time of the big three? And then who would be your pick for the next generation's greatest, hopefully, of, of the next era? Are we allowed to say our own or are we, do we have to say someone different tomorrow? No, you're allowed, you're allowed to say your own. If you truly, if you bleed Djokovic, Marcus, you're allowed to, uh, you're allowed to defend him. Well, I I can't see past Djokovic. I think I I, I do think that if he had uh, 
played in this Australian Open as well, then he would have been the first to get to 21. Not that I don't think that's the be-all and end-all. I think they've all had such good careers. But I just think Djokovic at his best um, was the best. And I don't think he's anywhere near done. I'm not going to go on to... I've said enough about Djokovic. But yeah, that's my main point. I just don't think he's anywhere near done. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with Marcus. I'm, I'm sorry, Roger. But I'm going to have to... <laughs> Go, go, Djokovic! Purely because of the, the points you just made, he's he's got twenty Grand Slams, and you feel like there's he's got quite a few left in him. Like we've, we've talked about Rafa, and it's like he's almost crawling to this twenty-one number. Whereas you feel like Djokovic is still is still going strong. It's hard to believe he's only just a little bit younger. So I feel like Djokovic will end on probably another three or four Grand Slams at least. Yeah, I mean it's tempting, but I just can't see past Nadal. I mean. He's one of the few sports people who doesn't matter what the tournament is. I just want him to win every single time. I think sport can get lost. Well, many things, but sport especially can get lost in data facts and, you know, titles. But I think for me, the acid test is just who would I w be willing to sit in the same place for six hours and watch play a game? It's Nadal. Even if it's just, you know, the fact that he takes 40 hours to take a serve and all these little gimmicks and quirks. I just love the guy. And I think... He's just brilliant. I've, he's exciting. He just—I think he he embodies everything every top athlete athlete should be, and that's why for me he's the best. Now it's your turn, Tamara. Who do you think <laughs> you've been sitting on the fence here? So I, I do like that Dom came in to to save a win for for emotional explanation over cold hard facts from both of you. <laughs> I um yeah I have to agree. I I do think it is Nadal. I think that he sort of when I remember getting into tennis when I was younger he it felt like he was starting a revolution because he was so different and so compelling to watch and the fact that he has reached this achievement in the shortest space of time and has been beset by injury it's all just adds to this amazing narrative which which means that yeah for me he is my greatest of all time um and looking to the future I I I'm a huge fan of, of Medvedev. I agree. He has those qualities that I really like in um, in Djokovic, but just in this unexpected package that just does not admit defeat. And I'm looking forward to seeing him win many more Grand Slams. So quick fire. Marcus, who is your next generation pick? I really, really want to say sit to pass, but it won't be him. Uh, <laughs> I I think Medvedev, but I'd keep an eye on Alcaraz because he is seven years his junior. But it's hard to look past Medvedev at the moment. Okay, I'd, I'd agree. I'd, I'd be saying Medvedev, uh, just the way he served the, in the semi-finals, the way he just wore sits a pass down. He's really got that killer instinct, that ruthless winning streak that Djokovic has. So I think he'll be the dominant player going forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, Medvedev's already got. I think he's the. He's the youngest person, or he's the first person he's, since Murray to go to consecutive finals. And I think that is just indicative of what his future holds. But, you know, I'm not going to say Medvedev because they've both said it. So I'm going to say Sitsabas to be different. Hey! Okay, just you, you can be different. Uh, we'll have a record of that. And then final question. This it, It's anyone's game here. Who do you all think is going to win the next Grand Slam? The French Open has played at the end of May. And with doubts around whether Djokovic will be 
able to compete based on his vaccination status, I think there's a possibility that this one is wide open. So who are your picks for next Grand Slam winner, Marcus? I... See, I'm going to go against everything I've just said and say Nadal. (laughs) Because (laughs) it's the French Open. It has to be Nadal. It, It just can't not be I think but yeah I, I, I'd i really like to see someone unusual actually win it but I, I just think it will be Nadal Dom will it be Dominic team <laughs> no uh, of course not. It's, it's Rafa isn't it I think you know the guy even if he's you know on crutches he's still going to win I think you'd have to do well to tear him off of that court even if you know he's probably got doctors telling him he's pretty close to the end of his career but it cannot not be Rafa Nadal let's go sits a pass Nadal he's going to be too worn out after this this Australian Open ordeal so I'm going sits a pass why not sits a pass did he did make the final last year um, and was beaten by um, like Marcus said pantomime villain Novak Djokovic so maybe he's out for revenge too uh, but thank you so much for listening to the Southwest London of Tennis podcast. Thank you, Marcus, George, Dom. Fantastic opinions all round. And we'll leave it up to the listeners to decide who their greatest of all time is. <laughs>